Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestling Source Radio. The following show is scheduled for one fall with a one-hour time limit. Introducing your host from parts unknown. He is the best radio announcer there is, the best radio announcer there was, and the best radio announcer there ever will be, Rodney Dion. My next guest is a Chicago-based comedian. He's the Marty half of the Marty and Sarah Love Wrestling Podcast on the MLW Radio Network, which just hit 200 episodes. He's known as Farts Unknown on Twitter, and I'm about to endeavor to find the so-called Farts Unknown. It's a very big hello and welcome to Marty DeRosa. Uh, I've never quite got an intro like that. It's it's pretty nice, the uh, the Farts Unknown intro. I like it. Um, are you looking for a hype man? Um, I know that uh, always. You, you've used uh, the AAW uh, ring announcer previously for your shows. I mean, um, I could, given all this sort of Zoom and Skype stuff uh, with the pandemic, I mean, you could just sort of have me in the corner there, ready to just to hype things up. Yeah, I think I think the uh, the independent wrestling ring announcer is somebody who could be making a lot more money out in the world. They can be. You know, hired for all sorts of events. Uh, yeah, I, I had a, a ring announcer for my my stand up special, which I thought was a nice little touch. Speaking of that, yes, I was going to say uh, things unknown. Uh, you released that was your first ever stand up album late last yeah. year, Marty DeRosa, live from Parts Unknown. Yep, available uh, wherever you get your stuff from. It's there. Oh. It's waiting for you if you want a, a, a little laugh. How long was that uh, number one on uh, the iTunes comedy charts? Oh, oh probably just a couple days. <laughs> probably a day or two you know how it goes then the giants get their spot back but for one day the the working man gets to be number one you know how like when guys have their wrestlemania moment and they're like no one can take that away from you but you were yep. number one on itunes I, for one day no one can take that away joel i got a picture on my phone that'll never go anywhere i got it <laughs> um just quickly farts unknown where are these farts unknown are they dry ones are they wet ones are they loud are they silent but violent ones what types are they you know it it, it changes with the season actually yeah it changes with the season uh yeah i'm a uh, i'm a big fan of like you know the real drawn out like those type of ones uh, oh yeah. yeah 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 yep that's it we're uh as we talk about fart jokes it can't get much better from here <laughs> the serious stuff Absolutely. But uh, a big congratulations. Marty and Sarah love wrestling. Uh, I'm a massive fan, but you guys have hit 200 episodes. That's uh, that's a great feat. That is correct. Yeah. Consecutive. No, uh, no weeks off. We just uh, started it for about four years ago. And uh, and here we are at 200 episodes. And uh, the whole the whole wrestling world has kind of changed drastically in that time. Corona, you know, notwithstanding. I'm a relatively uh, a new buddy to the show, but uh, this is the only wrestling podcast where I've gone all in as a $5 uh, Patreon buddy. And speaking of which, you guys are pumping out the content given the uh, current climate with coronavirus. Uh, so I guess is that kind of like a silver lining? You can be pumping out the content there for your fans? Yeah, I mean, we it's, you know, not that we have nothing else to do. Sarah still, <laughs> she works from home, uh, you know, via the, the computer and things like that. But for me, I, I don't really have a whole lot going on right now. And it's 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 a nice thing to do. It's nice to be able to, uh, like you said, just, you know, put out the content. There's certainly enough stuff to do. There's a, a gigantic back catalog of wrestling and we're, we're sort of delving into other things. We're doing 
uh, we're each sort of uh, having the other one uh, watch a movie that we've never seen before and, and get their take on it. Sarah uh, had never seen Roadhouse, which I think is a crime. Roadhouse. And uh, I watched, yeah, she had never seen Roadhouse, the Patrick Swayze uh, <laughs> perfect movie. Uh, so she had never seen that. And then I got to show her, or she watched, uh, we watched Emma, which was in theaters for uh, a brief couple of days. And then it got, uh, you know, with all the theaters closing, they threw it up on uh, on Amazon. So we watched Emma. I'm feeling very cultured. We watched a, a Disney movie called Smart House yesterday that Sarah used to watch a lot as a kid, which I'd never seen. So she's going to be watching Bloodsport next. So I'm very excited about that. I'm loving the movies, and because I, for one, haven't seen The Running Man, and I know you recently did a bit of a rewatch or a, a review of The Running Man with one of uh, your movie buddies. Yeah, one of my comedy movie buddies who, uh, you know, he's one of those guys who has, you know, over a thousand DVDs and his <laughs> apartment looks like an old video store, which is pretty awesome. And yeah, we were we were just going to get started doing like a, a monthly review show of old movies that we love. And uh, then all this went down and I thought, well, you know, I got this roommate who I'm uh, uh, who I do podcasts with. So we might as well uh, start making each other watch some some bad, good movies. Absolutely. I mean, that's that was my dream when um, when me and my wife got married. Uh, it wasn't in our vows, but uh, the the MC or the people who marry us, um, the name alludes me. But uh, I think uh, she had in there that uh, I'm hoping to one day have a movie podcast with my wife, but she uh, she says no, says no all the time. So uh, um, I'm yeah forever finding uh, that movie uh, partner podcast partner. But I guess separate to Marty and Sarah Love Wrestling, I know that you also do uh, it's a music podcast make us a mixtape podcast yeah i love uh i always love music and uh myself and uh another comedian paul farber who's he was also he was a musician before he got into comedy he ran a, a record label here in chicago and we have guests on um mostly comedians but also we're sort of delving out into uh, musicians and uh you know writers and stuff like that and basically we have our guest make us a five song mix and we uh, dissect it a little bit. We talk about uh, sort of their history of making mixtapes for people, the the long lost art of making mixtapes. Mm. Uh, now I guess you make like a Spotify playlist or an iTunes <laughs> playlist. And, yeah. uh, and and basically we just sort of had uh, we've have everybody on, and it's it's awesome because I'm listening to uh, bands and musicians I had never heard before or kind of forgot about, and it's it's cool to learn about new music. It's not like the old days where you would you know sort of watch mtv and here in the u.s and go okay that's what's popular or you know you read your rolling stone magazine or listen to your local radio station so it's kind of cool to uh to sort of get a new uh scope of some of the new music out there and i don't know if you can relate to this um I, I, sometimes i if i'm feeling stagnant or down or whatever sometimes discovering new music or you know just putting on music uh can drastically change how i'm feeling or just the vibe i am is that something that you can relate to Absolutely. Like a, a, a song that just really pumps you up for me is, is unbelievable. Like right now, the Dixie Chicks have a new song out called Gaslighter, which I, I love so much. <laughs> and I just love, yeah, a good pump up song that gets you all kind of fired up. I love that. I'd say what though, wrestling and music, that's just like peanut butter and jelly, baby. They just somehow go together. I was on my Twitter feed, I think it was last week, and someone posted, it was an ECW house show where Scott Hall was there, and oh, yeah. he, he came out to the Fuji's Ready or Not, and yeah. I watched that, and obviously he got a massive pop there, got the goosebumps going, 
and then I can basically just went to Spotify and looked up the score and listened to that whole Fuji's album from start to finish. Yeah, it's really interesting sort of delving back into a whole album. Like we, a lot of times we talk about on the podcast, people will say like in their car, they only had one CD or one tape or, you know, a CD was stuck in the in the radio. So every time they got in the car, they had to listen to all of like R.E.M.'s Monster. You know, and I, I just love stories like that where it's like the only reason I know this album so much isn't because I'm their number one fan. It's because. You know, my boss at work played it constantly, or mm. it was the only tape stuck in my car at the time. So I, I love stories like that. But Marty and Sarah Love Wrestling Podcast, uh, I mean, I had the pleasure to speak to Sarah a few weeks back, and uh, I told her, basically, the person who turned me on to you guys was an Australian wrestler known as Concrete Davidson. Uh, he does yes. kind of like the old strongman gimmick, uh, sort of like Simon Gotch back in the day, but he's now the uh, leader of the Black Shirt Cool group. So I really have him to thank for uh, turning me on to you guys. Because when he was sort of describing, he was kind of sort of describing, oh, you know, like, you know, they basically do a week in review, but it's, you know, it's not one of those kind of hardcore, uh, I guess, you know, sort of uh, Meltzer type of thing. It's it's sort of tongue-in-cheek, <laughs> tongue and cheek, and he does voices, and I'm there going, oh, it does voices? Oh, okay, all right. Okay, okay. And um, I, uh, you know, I'm, I, did, I do a lot of traveling for work. Uh, and sort of had it on, and you know, thinking, okay, yeah, yeah, you know, they, they definitely got great chemistry. Uh, and then, you know, uh, I think it was the one where it was like a few episodes after uh, Roman Reigns was attacked, um, the barricade or whatever fell down on him. So, I oh, think yeah, every voice you did was like, if you have any information, contact the authorities, and all and, and <laughs> it just it just won me over because, like, if you sort of say, oh, it's these guys who do a podcast and they make voices, you'd just be like, what's 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 this shit? But it somehow it works and it, it, for, as it won me over. And because I said to Sarah, like, um, I'm being like a former radio guy. I love content and uh, like having um, people who have who have chemistry. And obviously, given that you and Sarah are now in a relationship, uh, but yeah, it just won me over. But I wanted to really say that Concrete Davidson is the reason why, and uh, I'm forever in his debt. Yeah, that's, I mean, anytime a, a wrestler recommends our podcast, that's like, that's the ultimate compliment. Um, it's really cool to know that wrestlers, not just wrestling fans, listen to the podcast. And I mean, uh, I love the voices. Uh, I mean, Anki Rick, uh, Socially Awkward Steve Austin, and um, something that's very relevant uh, at the moment, Marty. Uh, did you know well before um it's been all spread online about the revival uh being released from wwe did nathan give you the inside scoop for that one yeah as always we have a, a roving reporter on the podcast nathan beebs and and he you know he's got so many inside information but he has to sit on it because he doesn't want to out his sources uh so yeah he he's always claiming that he had knew about this i don't know if he did or not you know you can't you, you got to take the guy, you know, at, at face value. So I, I guess I have to believe him when he said that he knew this was going to happen. Well, uh, I, you talk about uh, his sources and his scoops. You're talking to one of them, baby. I mean, uh, I said <laughs> Nathan, Nathan, I've been sending Nathan ridiculous memes probably for the, uh, the past maybe just under 12 months. I think one I sent was uh, a Saudi Arabia matchup between Sting and Undertaker, except it was the wow. Underfaker and the Jeff Farmer fake Sting. Um oh. Oh, and yeah. uh, I was uh, the, probably the one which I was disappointed in having at WrestleMania was Triple H uh, v Shane McMahon in a uh, uh, inheritance on a pole match. Yeah, 
That would have been a, a wonderful matchup. And, uh, you know, Nathan, sometimes he's right, sometimes he's wrong. I, 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 I respect the guy. He puts it out there. You know, he's making connections all the time with uh, with other fellow wrestling journalists, which, uh, yeah, I love. I've inter- I, or Nathan has interviewed lots of, uh, of different actual wrestling journalists, and it's it's very fun. Sometimes they get it, sometimes they don't. And he's, uh, Nathan, is he, he's under the uh, Dave Meltzer wing. I mean, uh, has we don't really... He claims he d- to be under the wing of everybody. Anybody who's around, he claims to be under their wing. I mean, can we do? Are we ever going to get a comment from Mr. Dave Meltzer about his new protege, Nathan Beebs? I mean, is he going to get on the uh, Figure Four podcast or whatever the, the you podcast know, is? I thought he would have when when Dave was in town for the uh, uh, AEW pay per view. Uh, Nathan interviewed him, and uh, Dave was <laughs> Dave was on board. He liked him a lot. He was they uh, they had they cut it up, as Nathan said. Or chopped it up, I think is his favorite thing to say. And that's another thing. I uh, listen to your podcast, and I mean, in all sorts of wrestling podcasts, I like to sort of uh, incorporate wrestling terminology into my, uh, to, you know, real life. So, you know, being like, uh, yeah, you know, me and uh, my mate, we were going to chop it up and other ridiculous yeah. uh, wrestling terminology. And my wife's like, what the hell are you saying? I can't help myself when we do these movie reviews. I talk about how they book the baby face and, <laughs> and you know, the heel and all. I'm just like, I know it sounds ridiculous, but there's just certain times where that's the perfect terminology for it. Like the best one is like, um, oh, this is it's a work. It's a work. And yeah. it's like, what are you talking about? Oh, it's a setup. I'm like, just, yeah, just, yeah. It's, it's, it's something that only wrestling fans, I guess, can, uh, can, can relate with, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's just uh, it's it's fun to use. I try not to use the uh, uh, the the a lot of wrestlers will use the term gimmick in in uh, as a replacement for another word. I try not to do that. That feels too too inside wrestlingy for me. Too inside baseball, perhaps. Yeah, like they're just like, yeah, hit me up on the uh, on the Skype gimmick, and we can <laughs> we can do this or whatever. That seems too '80s wrestler for me. But I, I I like to save my wrestling terminology and use it almost like a you know like a special thing in a video game. You only get one, so use it right. Okay, so I don't want to dive too deep into the the psyche of you as a young child, but um, yes. did you have issues? Okay. Did you have issues with uh, sock puppets? Was there were you traumatized? <laughs> Uh, I've always were yeah I've had an interesting relationship with sock puppets. Uh, they were I never had one, but whenever I saw one, I thought, okay, that's interesting. It's not like that episode of The Simpsons where Homer's like, uh, I'm not scared of anything, and Marge is like, sock puppets. Oh, oh, oh. Not like yeah, that. Yeah, no, I. To me, as a kid, if I couldn't use it as a wrestler, I, it was useless to me. If I couldn't make it a wrestler, it was it was useless to me. So the sock puppet, uh, yeah, it was too big. Too big for my figure, action figures, but then too small for like a, a wrestling buddy. And obviously, uh, I bring this up because it just seems like you and Gerbert have got uh, legitimate heat. Yeah, Gerbert, a uh, 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 former Christian television children's television star, who uh, you know hangs out at our on our podcast every once in a while, and and he's uh, a little grating. You know, we we're, we're we're working on our relationship, but right now it's not exactly the best one. We're not on the best terms. I find myself now at work uh, when something doesn't work out or I'm just sort of tired. I just I give a good Ugh. yeah, Ugh. which is his, you know, his sort of default mode. Uh, it was funny because every once in a while we'll see somebody, and it will kind of have a Gerbert vibe. I don't know if you've noticed this, but Drew Galloway or Drew McIntyre, 
uh, the new WWE champion. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of his interviews, he gets kind of Gerberty. You know, like he was talking about how, like, well, there's not going to be anybody at Mania, or well, if they would have made me the champ years ago, it wouldn't have been any good, and all this stuff. So I thought that was yeah. kind of interesting. Dragon, he's a he's a potential listener. He's a fan of the Gerbs. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> I guess I'm um, speaking of some of the voices that are uh, well, the buddies uh, on the uh, the podcast, Buddy and Sarah Love Wrestling. Is there any voices that you, I mean, like of a character or like to do with wrestling, or that you could sort of shoehorn in that you wished you could do, but you just can't do? I guess uh, a, a good enough impersonation or give it enough credit. Oh, that's a good one. You know, I, I remember one time <laughs> trying to do Cesaro's accent and I just couldn't get it down. And I was like, I will next week. I will. This will happen. And I was <laughs> able to do it a lot of times. And it's sort of like my 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 strategy is when somebody's on TV uh, or on YouTube, uh, I'll just watch it over and over and over again. And then I start talking to the television and just sort of mimicking them and it either works or it doesn't work like it's there there are some where i just know i can't do an impression of and then there's others where it's like oh i can do this one but it's it, it to me it's just it's there are certain ones where um they're just you got to have something you can really grab onto yeah you know like a like a roman reigns i think or um you know like billy corgan or rick flair like th- they all have things you can really grab onto but a guy like john cena you know, there's not there's not a whole lot. I mean, you've got the sayings and the and the speech pattern, but it's hard to sort of make that character because you know there's not a whole lot you can sort of grab onto to start tweaking. Yeah, I mean, uh, the only two I can, I mean, somewhat to uh, is uh, Vince McMahon, which is just a oh, hey, buddy, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think everybody now just kind of does an impression of an impression of Vince. Mm. You know, there's sort of this this character of Vince, whether it's like the, you know, the puppet that they use on the Firefly Funhouse, or you know, people sort of doing their, you know, Bruce Pritchard will do a lot of McMahon impressions and mm. stuff like that. So it's, you know, it is, it's kind of just, I think everybody, it's almost like. You know, we have certain politicians in the U.S. that everybody in comedy will do impressions of or or movie. You know, and it's kind of like at the end of the day, it's like, is everybody doing Bill Clinton or were they doing the guy from Saturday Night Live doing Bill Clinton? I love that. I am not here. What is here? Isn't here just there about a team? Like, that was <laughs> classic. Um, I, well, I, I can do a bad Vince McMahon and probably a really bad Vince Russo. Bro. Put him in a match. Nobody cares. Yeah, Ratings, yeah. bro. And uh, I, I'm, I, I know from the show there's a few, uh, I wouldn't say little swats, but little uh, digs at uh, the likes of a Vince Russo. Uh, uh, Vince Russo, uh, uh, what's the, how do you want this to go? I think that makes mention yeah, to Vince we, Russo. We, we use the term Russo ass booking uh, or, or if something – in you know in real life is just sort of convoluted we'll call it some some russo ass <laughs> shit <laughs> i mean uh, it's uh, it's it's really hard i guess to defend the the wcw stuff but i think i mean you know deep dive i mean there was so much stuff going on in the background there it's hard to really blame one person and i mean oh, I, yeah. yeah i mean i for one i mean i'm a like, i wouldn't say i'm a, a big vince russo fan i'm a fan of sorts but you know, I don't agree with a lot of the stuff, but I think sometimes he's uh, unfairly uh, victimized. Yeah, and I, I mean, I I love watching uh, shoot interviews, which if people don't know, it's just basically uh, an, an interview with a wrestler where they just kind of go over their whole career and why'd you do this and why didn't you do that? And 
I can watch. I don't have to like the person. I can mm. watch. Sometimes I love watching when I know they're just completely full of it. And it's just kind of like, to me, it's even it's even better sometimes when I know somebody is like flat out lying about something. So uh, let's go back in the time machine. Uh, I mean, you have a big affiliation with Colt Cabana. I mean, how did you guys meet? Uh, how did you guys, uh, quote unquote, chop it up? Uh, just through uh, Chicago comedy. He was released from the WWE back in Chicago, and he was looking to do more stuff with uh, the comedy scene here in Chicago, uh, which is is one of the best in the world. And uh, after you know a couple exchanges back and forth through you know email or Facebook Messenger, I can't remember. Uh, we started talking, and then uh, one of the first things we did was started working on a thing called Five Dollar Wrestling for mm. uh, the High Spots Network, and uh, that that was just like the start of it. It worked out great. And uh, and uh, after that, it was just sort of we did a lot of little projects. Uh, we did a web series called Creative Has Nothing For You. Uh, we do a lot of live shows on professional wrestling. Um, yeah, we, you know, just sort of incorporate each other into a lot of our stuff. And the $5 wrestling, I'm pretty new to that as well. Is that where you kind of uh, commentate over old bad wrestling? Partly that where uh that's like we do a live show called unprofessional wrestling where colt has sort of cultivated a whole bunch of real bad clips uh and we do that at live shows but then also uh high spots and uh the man scout jake manning he puts together uh these five dollar wrestling shows we have our own company we have uh you know about 20 wrestlers or so um and they are some of the most entertaining wrestlers in the business guys who just they weren't getting love. They weren't getting booked on a lot of stuff. So we sort of threw them all together. And they might not technically be the best wrestlers out there, but they've got so much heart and so much character and charisma that uh, it's just fantastic to watch them wrestle. So you, you're doing uh, Wrestling with Depression with on and off with Colt. That was kind of your own uh, quote-unquote one-man gimmick. Yeah, <laughs> that, was my, that was my first podcast, Wrestling with Depression, where I'd have uh, comedians, pro wrestlers, uh, and we would just sort of talk about mental illness and try to try to break that uh, that stigma down. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a uh, better time than ever to, to talk about it. Um, obviously, you're someone who suffers with depression, um, uh, me, me as well. Um, and, I mean, mine sort of, I guess, I feel like maybe I probably had mine for quite some time, but it wasn't diagnosed, I guess, till more recently and yeah. taking med- medication and etc. I, I don't know. I, I was kind of let go from a job. Like it's sort of all these uh, circumstances that kind of led just like I was at a level, but then I just completely dropped, like if that makes sense. But I mean, how did you sort of diagnose yourself or get diagnosed? And I guess, how did you seek help or just, I guess, what's any good advice just for people who are suffering? Because there's, I mean, there's a lot of people who are silently suffering and it's a good thing just to let people know that there's help out there. Yeah, I mean, the the, the best thing you can do is just sort of reach out for help or if you feel like something's going on, if you're Googling, you know, do I have depression, probably a good, probably a good uh, notifier that you do and it's probably a good idea to talk to somebody. It's very hard uh, in, in the States here to find somebody to talk to. So I found uh, some resources for people um, and and I definitely have told a lot of people about a lot of the resources, not just in Chicago, but, you know, throughout the United States. And and a lot of times it's just, you know, talking to people and, and realizing you're not the only person who feels this way. And to know that, you know, this isn't normal and you don't, it doesn't have to be this hard. There's a lot of, 
a lot of things through therapy that I figured out that uh, I was my own worst enemy, sort of. So mm. it's good to to know a lot. I mean, I'm not I'm not you know cured. There's no magic pill or magic you know Simple. formula. But for me, it's yeah, it's good to know that I uh, I can see a lot of the the things I used to fall for and uh, a lot of traps and that my own brain would sort of plant for myself booby traps if you will and i was able to sort of find those and you know i i I know what my triggers are and i know how to sort of talk myself through some situations that it's helped a a great deal that's great to hear and um because it's sort of uh it sucks when like you hear sort of people like you sort of are suffering from something like this because you're like but this guy's so funny he like you know has uh a lot of people would sort of say has he has uh the world at his feet so to speak it's always easy uh, to sort of as, as a performer, and I would say there's a whole lot of comedians, uh, wrestlers, you know, that's why I started doing it because a lot of the uh, comedian friends I had, we would sort of, you know, have like a weekly check in with each other. We all used to meet at this one bar and everybody would come, oh, how are you doing? Well, you know, I'm doing okay. What about you? Well, you know. And I thought it was interesting to just kind of talk about this. And the podcast was more sort of celebrating getting stuff done in spite of uh, mental illness. It wasn't just, oh, man, I'm so messed up, blah, blah, blah. But it was, you know, yeah, I'm feeling like garbage, but I still, you know, got in my car and did a, you know, a 300-mile trip to do stand-up. And I'm glad I did it. It felt good doing it. So that's sort of what it was, you know, celebrating more than anything. So you're doing uh, wrestling with depression, $5 wrestling, uh, but you're looking for a female co-host for an all-wrestling podcast. And to Sarah Shockey, I mean, uh, how did you guys get on each other's radars? We just knew each other through mutual friends uh, in Chicago, and I was in Los Angeles for a short while, moved back to Chicago, and I wanted to do a podcast. But again, a lot of the podcasts out there is just, uh, you know, a couple dudes talking about wrestling, so I wanted to try something a little different. And I thought uh, having a female co-host would be very different, and uh, and I was able to... Uh, uh, meet Sarah. We finally connected one on one, and uh, we did an episode of Wrestling with Depression, and then we started doing just a wrestling-based podcast on that feed called Wrestling Without Depression, and then we just decided to go full force. We gave it a name, and and we were off to the races, and here we are, 200 episodes later. And and you know what you did? What? You worked yourself into a shoot, brother. Most certainly did, because now we're dating each other. We live <laughs> together. Yeah, we certainly did work ourselves into a shoot. Was because uh, when speaking with Sarah, she was kind of not embarrassed, but she didn't want to say anything. Cause, like she said, it was something that she was going to keep to herself. I was kind of looking for the guy perspective, your perspective. We kind of like, oh, I really, I really like her. Like, I, you know, want to make a move or let her know, but I don't want to come across as that creepy wrestling guy fan. Or, I mean, did you have a different perspective completely? When we first started uh, working together, she was in a relationship. I was just, you know, dating on and off. Uh, and, and again, therapy was playing a big part in my life. I had a new therapist. I was really working on myself. Uh, and, and it was important to me to have, you know, a good, a good uh, female relationship, a good, you know, friend that I wasn't romantically involved in. So I said, well, she has a boyfriend. This is perfect. I can sort of, you know, we can just be friends. And then when she said, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not dating my, uh, my boyfriend anymore. Then it was like, oh, okay. Then things got a little more interesting. <laughs> Then the shoot began. I completely forgot to mention, um, it was uh, her birthday recently. Um, Pass on the happy birthday to Sarah for me. Did you guys uh, do yes. anything special? We went to uh, the grocery store. We went to Target and, uh, and a liquor store uh, for her birthday due to the uh, 
due to the virus. So we just did a little shopping. She uh, she picked out a couple things, and then we headed back home. So it was it was still fun. Though. We had a good time. Hey, who says romance is dead? What's your earliest wrestling memory? If you go deep into the mind of Marty DeRosa, I mean, what's the first thing you can think about as a kid or as a wrestling fan? What's your go-to? My go-to as far as watching wrestling? Oh, just, I guess, your first memory of it. Oh, I mean, just it would come on after the cart after Saturday morning cartoons. And I remember I would just wake up, at, you know, as early as possible, I think, you know, around six or seven o'clock here. And then the, the cartoons would start. I would watch, you know, for four or five hours. And then all of a sudden on one of those stations, there would be this thing called wrestling. And I was like, what is this? And I was really into ninjas at the time. I was huge into ninjas from my uh, G.I. Joe figures. And then I, I turn on this show and there's Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, who was like a real life ninja. And I'm like, what is this? And I was so into it. All the personalities. I was aware of Hulk Hogan, uh, but I didn't really know like what exactly he did or what he was all about. And then once I started watching, like I just I constantly like got the the TV guide, and I'm like, when is this on? And I knew I would tell that like, okay, some of this looks better than others because in Chicago, we're where I grew up in Indiana, we were right outside of Chicago, so we got the Chicago TV, and it was just a, a cornucopia of different wrestling from the best to some of the worst. But I like, I loved it all. I loved it so much. And I was just hooked. And were you uh, more of an NWA WCW kid growing up or WWF? I was, I was a, uh, an NWA WCW kid, but I, I still love the WWF, but I was, I thought that uh, the NWA stuff was way more, more, more gritty and real. Yeah, and I, that sort of spoke to me. And I think I, I heard on a, a podcast uh, that you sort of, you know, talk about how you know Ric Flair's the Hulk Hogan, uh, the Road Warriors, uh, they're a ripoff of De- Demolition, or Demolition's a ripoff of the Road Warriors, and yeah, I remember. I just thought everything in the NWA at the time was superior because when I, I switched schools and I, I met, you know, I found out who the wrestling fans were. And my one buddy, John, to this day, we're still best friends, but he was like, Hogan's, I love Hogan, I love, or he loved uh, Demolition. And I was like, well, no, the Road Warriors are better than Demolition. And he's like, yeah, you're out of your mind. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And it's like, he's like, the Ultimate Warrior is the best. I'm like, no, Sting is better than the Ultimate Warrior. They matched up so well. Like, AEW and, and NXT or WWE, they don't match up the same. Back in the day, it was perfect because... You had your top guy, and you had this Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan, and they were these two different kind of blonde guys. And then you had the tag teams, the Road Warriors and Demolition matched up. And then you had Sting and the Ultimate Warrior matched up. It was just like perfect symmetry, which I, I loved. And I love um, – uh, some friends of mine do a podcast called Cover to Cover where they talk about old wrestling magazines. And I love it because they do exactly what I did. And I'm sure a lot of kids growing up who had wrestling magazines would do mm. is you would get your top ten and you would – okay, WWF. NWA and you go okay who would win all right Nikita Koloff or Jake the Snake oh man I don't know that's a tough one but I think I'm gonna go with Nikita Koloff and you would just do the back and forth which I love doing you know what I used to do uh, in primary school like whenever we had some spare time or I was just being naughty uh, I would basically I'd write out wrestling cards um, uh-huh. so like you know this is gonna be my opening match this is gonna be my main event and like I would have maybe about six or seven matches written down and uh, I came up with my own pay-per-view this is when I was a big WCW fan and this is basically towards the end of WCW's uh, uh, reign I guess you could say it was WCW Fallout 
I thought that was the oh, best. Yeah. I thought that was the best thing ever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love. And then I mean, and then I started getting into, which for for a long time was my absolute favorite, uh, and still I love watching. It was World Class Championship Wrestling from Texas, and we got that every Saturday night. And I was I was like so so into that because they were it was so smart. Like whoever was programming these these TV shows, they must have known like. Okay, we got this wrestling show. So after the NWA, then they can switch over and watch WC, watch World Class, and it was it was just mm. so awesome. And World Class, everybody was cowboys and stuff, and that was that was cool. And there was a wrestler who didn't wear shoes. I was like, wow, what is this? It was to me seeing the new wrestlers and and all the different sort of flavors was so cool. And I guess you you you'd be at the right age, I guess, of the Monday Night Wars, correct? Oh yeah, I was in like high school. Uh, I mean, the first, yeah, the first Raw, I think I was in junior high, and then I was in high school and college, so it was like the perfect time. All my friends would watch it. Everybody watched it. It was just so fun. How would you compare the so-called Wednesday Night War, AEW, NXT, or just, I guess, the landscape of wrestling now compared to back then? It's still not the same. Uh, that was the most, I think, you know, some of the most exciting times in wrestling. Uh, I think the in-ring product is better now, but... Back then, it just was – you never knew who was going to show up, and although we had the internet, we didn't have it where it was like you knew – you didn't know everything, and it was – I just thought it was so fascinating at that time. And I guess is it because we were kids as well, like we had the rose-colored glasses, if that's the right terminology, on like – say, for example, I, I was a big Sting fan. Like Sting was my guy. Like, you know, the face paint, that was so cool. And, yeah. you know, watch, watching these matches, I, like, I thought, oh, he's like, you know, the – best technical wrestler ever and then watching it back as an adult be like oh, he's he's not the most technical wrestler really uh, i mean i think i think as you, if you want to get really deep uh, smarky smark i mean rick flair basically showed sting how to wrestle <laughs> um and oh least, yeah for sure at least made him look uh, good to what he was and then sting just, just sort of maintained a level and uh was the the, the guy but definitely wasn't like a the technical wrestler that you know the commentators would try to put him over as and i guess when you get older or you you know you're not that sort of kid like with the glowing eyes anymore you can kind of pick up on things and as i said be a bit of a smarky smark yeah, I think one of the cool things about wrestling is the more you watch, the more you're sort of rewarded and the more you can kind of, you know, it's it's no different than, you know, somebody who knows a, a lot about, you know, soccer or, or, or football or baseball or whatever, where it's just like the more you watch and the more you know what's going on or you, you can anticipate things and, and you can appreciate, you know, uh, you know, a lot of things sting for how big he was. He could do a lot of very athletic things. Mm. Um, and, and, a lot, and then you, you start to see, oh, every it's it's everybody who wrestles this Ric Flair guy is pretty, pretty good. And then they wrestle somebody who's not Ric Flair and it's not as good. And then you start to realize, oh, it's Ric Flair who's making everybody good. And I, I think I knew right from the start that there was something going on. Like, you know, OK, I think all these guys are sort of in on it. Uh, you know, I know I knew it wasn't real. I, I, you know, I think. Everybody would tell me it's not real. It's not real. But I was like, I don't care. Or I would say, yeah, but that one thing I watched was real. You know, I, I, mm. my brother could tell me all day long, this is fake. This is fake. But then I could see, well, you know, the horseman beat up Dusty Rhodes. And I, I think that was real, though. So that's what I loved. That's when you do the David Arquette wrestling is not fake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and then, and then, but then you start to realize, like, who's really good and who's not. It's just, you know. <laughs> 
my mind was blown when I uh, found out that the Ultimate Warrior and Sting were like tag team partners, like in the early days of their careers. And I mean, just little, be like, hey, did you know Scott Hall was Razor Ramon, but that he was also in WCW before that as the Diamond oh, Stud? Yeah. Just because I didn't even know until like, because I'd basically go to video stores and just get pay per view like month to month, like, and this is like years, years uh, after the fact, and find out, hang on, Kevin Nash, what? He was Diesel in WWF? Get out of here. Yeah, it's and that's another thing, too, that I love watching, like old shoot interviews when, you know, somebody was a guy who went through all these different characters or, you know, different partners or different companies. And, and I absolutely love when, like, a, you know, a Razor Ramon or Scott Hall was a perfect example of a guy who, I mean, they had him as a cowboy and they had him as this and that. And he had a big mustache and they were trying all these different things and different partners. And then one day it was just like, okay, I'm going to do this razor Ramon thing. And then it clicks. And I love when you see somebody who's been searching for their voice in wrestling and then they find it to me, that's like, it's, it's a cool thing in comedy too, where it's like when somebody artistically finds their voice, it's, it's whether it's music, comedy, wrestling, it's, it's an awesome thing to see. Okay. I'm hoping you can help me out here, Marty. Uh, me and the wife, we have this ongoing battle um, of, of who is the funnier Oh, who's the funniest, I should say. You know, who's the funnier partner? Who's the who's the funny one? Now, my wife seems to think that she is the funny one, but I also like to yeah. think that I'm the funny one. Now, I'm not sure if, okay. you, and, if you and Sarah have had this uh, similar uh, uh, predicament, but so I've put the challenge out to my wife several times. All right, well, if you think you're funny, let's go to an open mic night and, you know, let's, yeah. let's, let's chop it up, <laughs> so to speak. But obviously, yeah. it's, it's a bit hard at the moment given the uh, current climate, but... Uh, what would you suggest? Um, so, you know, if I'm if I'm going to go do an open mic night, because I like to think, you know, I've, I I have funny thoughts that are in my head, but I'm thinking, I don't think my delivery would be quite good, like quite good. Maybe I could write jokes for someone, or I mean, what's what would be the best advice for someone, I guess, wanting to put their toe in the water of being a comedian? To just do it. It's never going to be. There's never a perfect time. You're never going to have everything all figured out. Where okay, I finally written the perfect set and and here we go it's just it's just doing it and it's it's uh you know fighting that thing in your in your gut that says oh let's just run out the door and then you finally do it uh and it's yeah there's no perfect time there's no okay i'm gonna write 10 great jokes and it's like no you just get up there because nothing you do at first you're you're gonna stand by and go yeah this is this is my kind of joke I'm going to I'm going to do this joke for the rest of my, you know, comedy <laughs> career. You're going to outgrow that. and You're going to go, oh, my God, I can't believe I used to say that to a microphone. What I've envisioned is, is I was going to talk about, you know, people's uh, how people their process of when they go to the bathroom, which sounds really sus to begin with. But I sort of say, you know, every time I have to go to the bathroom, I always put toilet paper down on the seat because I'm a bit of a germaphobe. But then, you know, if someone comes into the stall next to me, I don't want to unleash because there's a little bit of shame when you're doing a number two and you don't want to be the sure. first one to, you know, to drop it there. That, that type of stuff and then you know people who don't wash their hands because I was at this club one night and uh, there's there was a guy he just did his business and didn't wash his hands but then I noticed he had a rat tail and I'm kind of like thinking well he's got nothing else to lose so why even bother washing your hands so that would be my go-to sort of uh, taught the literally the taught humor yeah and I'm I'm wondering you know when this is all said and done and we can go back to doing comedy shows and stuff like will old jokes you know and it's gonna be interesting I'm, I'm curious but yeah and that's the, that's how it is you just have a thought of like i think this is kind of funny and then to me it's like if i think it's funny to me or i make sarah laugh then i'm like hey we might have something there 
Absolutely. And uh, another funny thing I like to do, uh, I guess, wrestling-wise, I like to make stupid memes. I think I've tagged you in a few over the journey. Uh, one coming up that um, I've already created, but uh, it's uh, I feel like it's really going to represent uh, come the 20th of April, 420. Uh Darby Allen as Doobie Allen, and he's the top of his head is like a joint. Oh yeah, I remember seeing that. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was some good work. That, that's 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 my life making uh, making crappy memes, and I actually have to uh, give a credit to uh, James Vanderbeek. Uh, I saw his Twitter account like years and years ago, and thought this guy is super funny. And I actually had the pleasure to speak to him not too long ago, and uh, it's funny that uh, wrestling can sort of connect people from around the world. Oh, absolutely, which is. So wild, but so cool. Um, but back to the comedy real quickly. I know we, uh, we're in this kind of pandemic with COVID-19 coronavirus, which has really, you know, put the put everything under the thumb or everything's down on lockdown. When we do get to some form of normality, and it could be quite some time, especially, I guess, people coming overseas, uh, I know Australia has a dozen or more than that. I mean, they have heaps of comedy festivals. Like there's the big Melbourne Comedy Festival, and then there's a big tour around the country. I would love... If, if for yourself, but for you and Sarah to come down under, see if you can tag along on one of these comedy festivals. I would love for Australia to to meet you guys and see how funny you guys are, but also to uh, if we could show you the local wrestling scene here, because I reckon you would really dig it. Because I'm I would um, love that, yeah. Because I'm a big uh, uh, PWA in Sydney. Um, they they've got. I mean, the stuff they're doing right now is absolutely amazing. I think they had the likes of Orange Cassidy and Travis Banks for their big Coliseum tournament. They're, they've got some great uh, young up-and-coming talent. And I reckon if we could get you two down here and shoehorning some comedy stuff, I reckon you guys would really dig it. I would be up for that for sure. Um, but right now, yeah, it's just kind it's, of yeah, where, where everything goes. <laughs> it's kind of hard to say, like, you know, what any plans were or are. Yeah, and that's the thing. A lot, a lot of you know bands that were coming out here, or you know, just I guess on the wrestling side of things. I mean, WWE is uh, it's continuing, um, but it it's odd. I mean, WrestleMania it was good for what it was, but I mean, mm-hmm. it does it does so that if you if you take away the fans, there's there's nothing. Yeah, it's tough without the fans. It's going to be – I mean, I was watching some stuff that was taped before all this went down with uh, Impact Wrestling. And just to see, you know, a uh, a show with people just looks so awesome. And it's just like, God, I can't wait to get back to that. It's going to be the coolest. And usually, I mean, after WrestleMania, you kind of have that, uh, that wrestling lull, like nothing much happening. And I guess that's sort of why they've moved the, the uh, Money in the Bank pay-per-view after WrestleMania to, I guess, sort of spark some interest. But, I mean, now that you've got AEW and uh, all the other promotions, but, I mean, I guess for the independent scene, I mean, you and Sarah are really sort of locked in tight with that. I mean, you're in a, you're in a similar boat where, you know, you can't do anything and can't see anything. Is there is there the worry that some of these independent promotions may no longer exist after this? No, I think with a lot of, you know, independent promotions, it's, it's not like they're, you know, they don't have giant office buildings and, and, you know, people usually do it for the love of, for the love of wrestling. They're not, getting rich off of it so i i don't see a lot of people uh not coming back i think if they were if they were doing it before i'm pretty sure they'll still keep doing it absolutely and i guess uh have you uh, bumped into uh, hannibal tv uh of late or i have not uh i just keep watching his wonderful youtube <laughs> videos 
uh, and every once in a while I'll just play one of his videos and Sarah's just like, oh, let's watch something else. So, uh, yeah, again, I love, I just, this is another, uh, sort of wrestling YouTuber and I'm, I'm fascinated. And that's the thing too, when I, when I keep going, I don't think I like this, but why do I keep watching this? And, you know, he put out a, a bunch of content. He's got a bunch of shoot interviews on YouTube and I just found myself, watching and again i kept seeing patterns and when i see patterns that's where the comedy brain starts working and i was just like oh man this is wild hey marty do you think it's weird that kevin owens wears a t-shirt when he wrestles like <laughs> i'm telling you i watched like five interviews in a row and he kept asking people that and i'm like well there we go we found a thing and i know and an interesting voice to go along with it uh okay this is the uh the segment i like to call uh get your shit in uh if people want to get in contact with marty DeRosa or find out what you're doing find out more about marty and sarah love wrestling or five dollar wrestling or wrestling with depression all the good stuff you guys have got going there in the united states of america how can they get in contact uh at marty DeRosa on all of the forms of social media uh marty and sarah love wrestling every friday or wherever you get your uh podcasts and uh yeah um just uh just we're very accessible so if you want to uh chat or anything like that about wrestling uh hit me up and i'm, I'm more than happy to talk about the wonderful sport of pro wrestling i have a, my album live from parts unknown is uh on itunes or wherever else you listen to comedy albums please uh give it a listen i think it's i think it's okay and it was uh, number one on the comedy iTunes charts for yes, a whole one day. For 24 hours. And they can never take that away from you. That was your WrestleMania moment. And and they can never take it. That was me pointing at the sign. Mo <laughs> <laughs> uh, DeRosa, thank you for taking the time to have a chat oh. to us. Greatly appreciate it. I uh, would love to stay in touch and chop it up uh, another time as well. Perhaps we can get some of the buddies uh, on the show. Keep up the great work. Love what you're doing. Stay positive and uh, pass on the happy birthday to sarah for me will do joel thank you so much man wrestling